Amen. I don't know who's going to win the Super Bowl today, but I know I've already won. Amen. I don't know who's going to win, but we are already victorious in Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Do you know that uh, human beings are born? You know, if we, I was to ask you, those of you who are science, science, scientists, um, how many bones do you have in a human body? How many bones? Bones. 206. 206. And you are correct, an adult human body. But when a human being is born, there are more, he's born, he or she is born with more than 300, with about 300 bones when you're born, when you're born. But they, what happens is that as we mature, they join together and fuse together and we end up with about 206 bones. Unique fact, unique fact about the human body. Those of us who love language, there's a little sentence that says the quick brown fox jumps over every lazy dog. The quick brown fox jumps over every lazy dog. And the interesting thing about that sentence, how they use it, is that that little sentence contains all the letters of the alphabet, contains all the letters of the alphabet. A unique little sentence containing all the letters of the alphabet. And the fact that you got less bones than you used to have, amen, amen, is just a unique fact about the human body. But Christianity is also unique amongst all the other religions in the fact that Christianity believes in the resurrection from the dead. Now, Christianity is bold enough to look death straight in the eye, does not flinch, it does not have any equivocation. It looks death straight in the eye and it says to death, death, you lose, we win. We believe that Christians are victorious, not over in death, but we are victorious over death because the Bible says in this verse we just read that Christ has indeed been raised from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Somebody shout first fruits, first fruits. And the first fruits means this. This is what first fruits mean. Well, let me tell you a story about my brother-in-law, whose name is Dennis, Dennis uh, has several grandkids, and he is an absolutely wonderful grandfather. What he's done, he's purchased a pass. He, he owns a pass to a place called Wild Adventures, which is an amusement park in Valdosta, Georgia. And this pass grants him access to the amusement park anytime he wants to go. As long as he has his pass, he's purchased his pass, he's paid for his pass. He owns the past. If he has the past, he has unlimited access to wild adventures as long as he has the past. But what, what, what he's done in addition to that, he also has purchased tickets for his grandkids to accompany him into wild adventures. As a matter of fact, Dennis is not a big fan of roller coasters and amusement rides. The only reason he goes to wild adventures is because he wants to take his grandkids and for his grandkids to have a good time. And so when his grandkids go to wild adventures, they do not have to sit in the car, or stand outside the gate and wonder what's going to happen to them and how they're going to get in. As long as they are with their grandpa, Dennis, their admission to wild adventures is not a hope. 
it is a guarantee. I wish I had somebody say amen. In other words, because he purchased, he purchased his ticket first and subsequent to that, he purchased a ticket for his grandkids. They are guaranteed admission into wild adventures. Well, when it talks about Jesus being the first fruits of those who slept. In other words, Jesus was the first one to experience the resurrection. In other words, he paid the price and he was the first one to go through the gates. I wish I had somebody who knew the Bible a little bit in here. As a matter of fact, he died and the Bible says he descended into the devil's stronghold, snatched the keys from the devil and declared that he has all power in heaven and in earth. And what this means is that, that it, it means that when, when, when we're dealing with death, Jesus is the first fruits, but first fruits means that he has experienced it. And in addition to experiencing it, he's also paid the entrance fee for all of those who are with him. Amen. And so if you talk about going to heaven, getting into the pearly gates, walking into one of the gates on the, on the north or the east or the south side of the city, if you are with Jesus, your entrance is not speculation. I wish I had. It's not a matter of our hope. Your entrance into the kingdom is a guarantee. Do you know anything about Jesus declaring anything? Jesus, if Jesus says it, it just has a way of coming to pass. Am I right about that? Jesus, if Jesus said it, when the disciples were concerned about what was going to happen with the 5,000 on the side of the hill, they said, only thing we have is a few little fish and a little bread. Jesus said, bring that to me. And if Jesus speaks on it, he has a way of speaking stuff. And if he says it, it comes to pass. Oh, they were a little concerned one day at, uh, at the wedding. There was, the wine had run out. The wine had run out. And winos are not the only folks that get concerned when the wine runs out. The wine had run out. And his mother came to him and said, what are we going to do? He said, bring me the water pots. It's just something about Jesus speaking something. And he spoke to hydrogen and he spoke to oxygen. Say, y'all going to have to get together and do something other than what you've been used to doing. He said, water turned to wine and it had the ability. It came to pass. And all I'm saying, Jesus said, whosoever believes in me shall not die, but shall live. And if you're with Jesus, your entrance into the kingdom is a guarantee. Somebody clap your hands and give God praise. It is a guarantee. So the unique thing about Christianity for your worksheets is that we believe in the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the resurrection from the dead. Now, when we look at religions, when we look at religions, all religions or most religions have a unique founder, have a, a guy, a person who was the founder of the religion that has all types of unique characteristics. But the unique thing about Christianity is not just that it has a founder, but that we believe in the resurrection of the dead. But all of these religions have unique founders. For example, for your worksheet, Moses, Moses is the founder of Judaism as we know it. Moses is the founder of Judaism, but according to Deuteronomy chapter 34, Moses died on Mount Nebo. Moses is dead. Gautama Buddha is the founder of Buddhism and those who believe and are adherents to Buddhism. But uh, Buddha died in the five and four eighty three BC. Died five hundred years before the birth of Christ. Muhammad, the founder of Islam died in 632 AD, June the 6th, 
June 8th at 632 AD. Muhammad is dead. And then there's one more religion um, founded by Walter Camp called American football. Amen. And today is a high holy day in the American football religious community. Am I right about that? And if you don't believe it's a high holy day, come to service tonight at seven o'clock. You will discover how holy a day it is in the American football community. But Walter Camp, who was the founder of, of American football, died in 1925. Jesus also died. Amen. But we believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. He died and he rose from the dead. First Corinthians chapter 15, Paul deals with the question and it looks like he's dealing with the question of the resurrection, but we don't have as much question about resurrection as we really have about death itself. What bothers us is not the resurrection, but what bothers us is the fact that as human beings, we have to deal with death. In other words, in order to experience the resurrection, you have to experience death first. Death precedes resurrection. And, 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 and even going, 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 going to heaven, you know, as difficult as, and as distasteful as death, death is, and as much as we don't like it, in order to get to heaven, uh, we have to die first. But death is something that we don't like to talk about. Am I right about that? Death, death. It's an understatement to declare that death is disturbing. It's one thing to deal as we've done in the past five weeks with depression, disease, divorce, discrimination, or difficult decisions. But dealing with death is a totally different dilemma. Death is disturbing and death is difficult. Death is drastic in its irreversibility and in in its finality. Death drains us emotionally dragging us through dark and dismal dungeons and damaging our hearts and devastating our dreams. Death, so disrespectful as death, comes uninvited and unannounced and without warning and disconnects us from those who we hold dear. Death is strange in how he operates. Death brings liberation to the suffering and he brings suffering to those who remain alive. The long and short of it is this. We do not like death. Yeah, we do not like death. We don't like to talk about it. Don't like to deal with it. We kind of respect death, but we don't like death. The only positive thing that we might even say about death is that death does not discriminate against anybody. Yeah, death does not discriminate against anybody. Death uh, does not discriminate on the basis of race, gender, age, death. Uh, will come and visit all of us. Death will visit the womb, life in the womb. Death will visit the country club, the playpen, the kindergarten, tea parties, the bridge club, the university, even the undertaker who deals with death on a daily basis will not escape the clutches of death. So birth, when we think about birth, at best birth is probable, but death is certain. The scriptures declare this. It is appointed unto man once to die. Some things may not be a guarantee, but that is a certainty. It is appointed unto man once to die. The Bible says, for as in Adam, all die. Everybody dies who is in Adam, but all who are in Christ shall be made alive again. 
for your worksheet. Everyone, including Jesus of Nazareth, experienced physical death. Death is the great equalizer. And we know, we know, somebody say we know. We know that death is coming. We know, we know, we know that. But we don't want to think about it. We know that we are mortal, but we want to live as if we are immune from death. We hang out in unsafe places and with unsafe people doing unsafe things in unsafe ways. And sometimes we survive and not reaping what we have sown. Sometimes we don't get everything that we deserve. But you know, surviving does not always slow us down. I wish I had some help. Sometimes it may stop us for a while, but it doesn't seem to always slow us down. Even in the presence of the possibility of death, it does not always slow us down. It does not stop rock stars and regular folks from overdoing drugs. It does not stop sports stars and regular folks from unsafe sex. It does not stop us from texting and driving. We know that it's dangerous and we might die, but it doesn't stop us. Y'all don't look at me like I'm crazy. I know I'm talking about something here, uh, but it does not stop us. We live as if we are immune and exempt from death. We've seen others die, but we're not thinking about the possibility of our own death or the death of those who love us. But the Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die and after death is judgment. But death does not just come, Brother Washington, to those who are irresponsible in how they live. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to be evil to die. You don't have to be living outside of the will of God to die. You don't have to do wrong to die. Death is not merely a punishment. Death is a part of life. Amen. Death is a consequence. Death is a consequence of living. If you live, you also shall die. Death is not just punishment. In other words, when a person is dead, we can't say that he died because he's being punished because even those who didn't do evil, like he may have done evil or she may have done evil, also are going to die. Death is a consequence of living. Good people, somebody say good people. Yeah, good people, good people, nice people, righteous people, holy people also die. Adam, Adam had a son named Abel and Abel died at the hands of a jealous brother. Arthur Ashe, you guys, some of you remember Arthur Ashe. Arthur Ashe was the first African-American male to win the U.S. Open and the Wimbledon Tennis Championships. And Arthur Ashe died of AIDS, not because of a promiscuous lifestyle, but because of a blood transfusion. Uh, Alberta Williams King, you remember her? One Sunday morning, she was sitting on the organ in the Ebenezer Church in Atlanta, Georgia. She is the mother of the late Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And while she was playing the organ, a deranged man came into the sanctuary and shot her dead, playing the organ on Sunday morning during worship service. I'm just trying to tell you that good people doing good things also experienced death. Clive Francisco, great Old Testament scholar and great preacher, died while preaching the gospel in the pulpit. Otis Redding and Buddy Holly and Aaliyah died in plane crashes. And Tiger Woods golf game ran into a fire hydrant and died. Yeah, died, just died. Yeah, died, died, died. Died. 
But the question is not, will we die? But the question is, shall we live again? That's what Job asked. If a man dies, that's just like a blues singer. You know, the blues, you know, the blues, the blues always deals with hopelessness in search of hope. That's, that's the blues. If a man dies, shall he? Live again. That's what Muddy Waters and B.B. King, that's in Buddy God. That's, that's what they sang about. Ah, I'm in a hopeless. Is there a possibility for a light to come into my dark place? Yeah, that's, that's the Old Testament. That's the Old Testament. If a man dies, shall he live again? Ah, but that's not the New Testament. That's not, that's not the New Testament. That's not the New Testament. The New Testament says you better believe it. You better believe it. You better, you better believe it. You can bet your bottom dollar. You can, you better believe it. You better put your money on this horse because Jesus rose from the dead. Those who are with him shall also experience the resurrection. We don't like to deal with death. Why? Because what death, death evokes every possible negative emotion. There is no negative emotion that death does not stir up. Hate, anger, bitterness, depression, regret, and fear. Yes, and most of all fear. Because the truth is, if we're all honest, most of us, are afraid to die. But you know, the Bible says this about fear. God did not give us, I wish I had some Bible people in here. God did not give us the spirit of fear, but of power, let's go King James, but of power and of love and of a sound mind or power and love or self-control. Power meaning that I can make it through the situation love that means that as I'm trying to make it I don't have to hurt somebody else while I'm in pain and a sound mind of self-control means that I don't have to flip out while I'm going through something I can act like I still trust Jesus even when I can't trace him in my life yes fear when we walk in fear and live in fear we're actually living in a hopeless way but David David, David was one of those Old Testament writers similar to the Psalms when he says, I would have fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Even David's hope stops at the grave in this instance. He said, I believe to see the goodness of the Lord while I'm living. But the New Testament says, David, it does not stop. While you're living. In other words, God is not just good in the land of the living, but even in the land of the shadow of death, I will walk and will not fear any evil because God is with me. And he has promised because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that because Jesus has experienced resurrection being the first fruits, I shall also be a part of his resurrection. You see, the New Testament is a little different than the Old Testament. The Old Testament has its trust in God and its faith in God, but it's a little bluesy in how it deals with it. But the New Testament is more hip-hop. Yeah, 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 yeah. Old Testament is more like the blues. New Testament is more hip-hop. Why do I say more hip-hop? Hip-hop, hip-hop is a genre of music that 
refuse to yield to public opinion. Though public opinion say hip hop, you need to shut yourself down. We're going to ban your records and we're going to burn your records and your CDs and vile and it's, it, 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 it is offensive and we're going to shut it down. But it seemed as though the more folk tried to shut it down, the louder it became. And we're living in a time now you can't sell a necktie, you can't sell a car, you can't sell a sock or a t-shirt unless somebody has tagged on a hip hop song. Yeah, continue to say what it says. And so the New Testament says what it says in the face of conventional thought. Shall we live again? Some were saying when you're dead, you're done. Some were saying when you die, that's the end of it. But Christianity says, oh, absolutely not. We're going to be defiant in our testimony. Oh, you told me I was going to lose but a one. You see, that's that's what Christianity said. You told me I was going to lose, but I won, but I'm going to defeat and overcome the odds. Live because of Jesus Christ. And so Paul says, Christ has risen from the dead. Now for your growth group sheets, number three, everyone who dies in Christ We'll live again. Somebody say amen. amen. Everyone who dies in Christ shall live again. And because death is unavoidable, the best thing we can do is prepare for it. Can't stop it. You can't talk death out of visiting you or your loved ones. And so the best thing we can do is prepare for it. The story goes of a man ran into a Young fellow, he's having a conversation with the young fellow. He said, young fellow, what do you want to do with your life? And young fellow said, well, I want to go to school. And I want to get a great education. He said, well, what then? He said, well, after I get a great education, he said, I want to get a job in a, in a wonderful profession. He said, I, he said, I really want to go to Wall Street in New York, and I want to uh, have a professional life on Wall Street. He said, okay, well, what then? He said, well, after I get to Wall Street, I want to make millions of dollars on Wall Street. I want to just accumulate large amounts of money. He said, okay, well, what then? He said, after I accumulate large amounts of money. He said, what I'd like to do, I said, I want to build a nice house and I want to have a nice home with all kinds of cars in the driveway and in the garage and just have all that I want to have. He said, well, that's nice. Well, what then? He said, well, I want to retire one day and I want to spend time with my grand." Uh, children and with my family enjoying what I've worked for. He said, well, that's nice. He said, well, what then? He said, well, I guess I'll die. Then after that, he said, well, what then? We can spend our time and effort preparing for every other stage of life and failing to prepare for death, which is also an inevitability. And so the only way to prepare for death, the Bible tells us the only way to prepare for death adequately is to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that he who has the son has life and who, who, he who does not have the son does not have life. Now, one of the most uncomfortable things about the Bible is that the Bible does not equivocate on what it means to be in a right relationship with God and what will happen after death. In other words, the Bible is blatantly clear, it's painfully clear that if we don't know Jesus Christ, 
then life after death is a miserable and uncomfortable and an undesirable situation. But if you want to live continually in a state of blessedness and peace and joy, the only way to experience that is to know Christ as your Savior. So, here, the man admonished the young man to put Jesus first in his life. Well, because we're going to die, that's that's, that's most important to do. There are a couple other things that you should do. These are not as important as knowing Jesus, but you do need to get your house in order. Somebody say amen. And in other words, you got to live. You have to live knowing that you're not going to keep living. You have to live in such a way that you know that our behavior will not continue to go unchecked. God expects us to live a life that's pleasing to him because there will be a reckoning day and a day of accountability. And we must stand before God. Secondly, get your business matters in order. Y'all quiet, but I'm going to say it anyway. Amen. You need to make sure for the adults that you have a will. In other words, that whatever earthly possessions you have, your, 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 your shoes and your socks, you know, whatever you have, that you determine before death who's going to receive it. More folks have fallen out. Over who's going to get daddy's car. Amen. So make sure you have a will and power of attorney, insurance papers. And then I want to speak to the secret society of African-American people who don't like to tell anybody anything. Don't get everything in order and then don't tell nobody where it is. How much insurance? You know, don't be asking me about my insurance. Well, the only reason you have insurance is if you die, somebody's supposed to get the insurance. Am I right about it? That's why you buy it. Somebody's supposed to get it. May as well tell them. Amen. Another thing, how do you prepare for death? Live a life that's worth living. Do something with your life that was worth something. Somebody say amen. You see, even if Jesus had not been raised from the dead, the thing we could admire about him is that he spent his time doing something for people that was worth doing. As a matter of fact, what happened on the day that Jesus died, even on the day, even on the day he died, he stopped dying long enough to do something for somebody else. The thief on the cross was glad that he met Jesus before he died. What do you think about the woman who had the issue of blood? She was glad that she met Jesus. How about the little boy with the two fish and the five loaves of bread? Do you think he felt empowered after he met Jesus that he thought that impossibility was no longer something that he had to fathom? He believed that God could do anything with him because Jesus stopped by to do something of some worth in his life. You need to do the same and I need to do the same. Forgive. Forgive those who need to be forgiven. Yeah, you're going to die and I'm going to die. But let's not die holding grudges. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pooja did steal your chicken leg out of your uh, lunch box in the third grade, but get over it. Come on now. Yeah, don't, don't be mad every time you go to bringing it up, every time you go to the class reunion. Forgive. Forgive your siblings. Forgive your parents. Forgive that old love in your life. Go ahead and forgive. Forgive and release it because it'll make you a much better person. 
and what you have left to live. And even if you're sick and you've, if you've received a terminal diagnosis, you know, don't you go into the shell like a turtle. Don't you give up. Don't you put the flag up. I surrender. What you do is take whatever light you have left and you do the very best with that and live it to the glory of God. Because you know what? Even if you don't have but a little bit left. This is, this is the whole psychology of the resurrection. Even if I don't have but a little bit left, knowing that I'm going to get some more will give me the motivation to go ahead and do something with what I have. And so, knowing that we're going to die, maybe it would be important to share the gospel with somebody. We know people who do not know Jesus as, our, as their Lord and Savior. Maybe you tell somebody about the wonderful, wonderful love of Jesus. Then maybe if you're not saved, maybe you would commit yourself to Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior. Well, finally, I want to say this. When believers die, we die with hope. We die with hope. Man was taking his children to the funeral. His wife had died. He had two children, two young children, two very young children. He's in the car. He's driving to the funeral. Children said, Dad, we don't understand. Where's mom? We don't understand death. Where did mom go? What happened? We don't understand this idea, this concept of death. Well, the dad's grieving himself. He's dealing with the loss of his wife and mother of his children. So his mind is not on the perplexing problems of death and all this kind of stuff. But he knows he's got to say something to his kids. His kids are searching for an answer. And so as they're driving, a big truck comes by, passes by them. Big truck comes by. As the truck comes by, truck goes by, and in the truck's wake, big shadow passes over the car. And so it was as if God spoke to him. He said, well, you know, he said, uh, this whole thing of death, he said, it's like this. He said, what would you have rather happen? Would you have rather that our car get hit by the truck or would you have rather that the car get hit by the shadow? The kids say, well, you know, we vote for the shadow. <laughs> yeah, we vote for the shadow. He said, well, death is like that. He said, when you don't know Christ, you get hit by the truck. Yeah, it's over. He said, but when you do know Christ, it's dark for a moment. You know, it's dismal for a moment. He said, but it only lasts for a moment. Sort of like what David said, weeping shall endure for a night. Yeah. But joy will come in the morning. You see, when we die in Christ, we die in hope. We don't, we don't pretend that death is not painful. We don't pretend that death does not hurt. But we know, somebody say we know. We know that if we die, we shall live again. And we know that if our loved ones die, that we shall live again. And we know that if we die in Christ, it's not goodbye. It's just see you later. See you later. Hallelujah. Why don't you stand to your feet?